You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. It's coming up next week. The Vox and Hops one-year anniversary party with the very special guest, Lord Worm, the original vocalist of Cryptopsy, will be there, and I will be conducting the very first live Vox and Hops interview. All this is happening on October 26th at Turbo House on St. Denis Street in Montreal. I have also, for the event... I have made the very first Vox and Hops branded glassware. It is a 9-ounce tasting glass, the exact style of craft beer glass I like to use when I am at home drinking craft beer to go with the glass at the party. I have also brewed a collaborative brew alongside the great people of Microbrasserie Le Fermenteur from L'Assomption Québec. We got together and we brewed a hoppy New England IPA that we have called the Highway to Hops. In the description of the podcast is a link where you can order your ticket right now. And with the ticket, you get entrance into the party. You get the 9-ounce Vox and Hops branded glassware. And you get one free serving of Highway to Hops. I hope that you guys had a great week. I had a super great week. Last weekend was super busy. I got a whole bunch of interviews conducted, and I'm super excited to get those out to you guys. Uh, today on the podcast, I am with Jason Kaiser, the vocalist of Origin. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 78. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Jason Kaiser, the singer of Origin. That was a good pronunciation. Well, also. The vocalist of Origin. Also the singer of Origin, I think. And, and every other band that needs a vocalist. I'm a scab for hire. If you need a guy to learn your set in less than 10 hours and get on a plane and go to Europe and finish out a tour, I can do that. I've done that this year. So. I know. I wanted to talk exactly <laughs> about that. Let's start with that. What was, oh, that, what was that band? That was um, Hollow World from Melbourne, Australia. What's it with you and the Aussies? Ah, that's the whole reason I... So what happened was, um, it was about a Thursday night. I hadn't been drinking that much that month or a couple of months. And that was like the one night I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to have a few and enjoy myself. And uh, Thursday night, I got a message from Dave Haley because it was uh, Psychroptic and this band of Virgin's Crown, also from Australia, headlining with uh, this band Hadel Maw, for also from Australia, and Hollow World uh, as support. And apparently the Hollow World dudes just for reasons I probably shouldn't publicly talk about, they had to, their singer had to go home, but it was only about like six days into the run. So, and they didn't want to leave. It was one of their first European tours and Dave Haley just hit me up on a, on a Tuesday night. Like, Hey, what are you doing for the next couple of weeks? You want to just do this tour tomorrow? Of this band you've never heard before, or anything like that, and and since I was a little drunk, I was like, sure, I could totally pull that off. Woke up in the morning, was just like, oh, I think oh, I, have shit, to, I, I think I, I have to go to Europe today. <laughs> and I absolutely two o'clock that afternoon, I was on a plane to Paris, learned the set basically on the plane, and uh, it didn't go that bad. It was pretty nice. But how do you like? go about doing that i have a hard time memorizing stuff how do you do that what, what steps do you take uh, i mean usually uh, uh, as the introduction of this podcast brought up uh, i've scabbed for a couple of bands and uh 
you know, you have to learn two dozen songs or, you know, over time you have to learn X amount of songs. And uh, usually it takes about a day for me to learn a song. If I get drunk, learn a song, commit it, like just focus on it as I'm drinking. The, the drunken recall kicks in. I wake up in the morning. Like I'll go to bed. Not remembering the song. I'll be like, I, I dogged this. I can't remember shit. Fuck. Wake up in the morning, be like, in my head as I like, take a shower or whatever. Be like, oh, yeah, I got the entire thing. It just comes right back. So you're just really good at it. No, I don't think I'm good. I wouldn't say I'm good at it. It's just I just found what works for me, I guess. But uh, for that one, I literally just had to sit on the plane and just listen. To, it was six songs, but 30 minutes set that I just had to. And I'm a stickler for you know, enunciation and the, using the right words. Like, I'm not just going to stumble Jargon mouth your way it. through yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, I don't know. I was just forced my brain to do it, I guess. That's good. It's awesome. <laughs> and it was, a, you know, it was, a, it was a, they were happy. Everybody was happy. And, well, they got, I mean, to, keep, they got to keep touring with the vocals. Sure. Yeah. And, Dave, uh, you know, kudos to Dave for, like, helping me out. But, uh, yeah, it didn't go that bad. Let, let's go back for people that don't really know what you do what's your story how did you become a death metal vocalist oh you want to go all the way back yeah you can do you can skip some parts why, why did you start screaming uh because i've never learned how to play an instrument but you always want to be a part of the band i get I, I guess i just wanted the path of least resistance from day one uh it, sa- it, sa- it seems like a lot of work to learn how to play the guitar or <laughs> drums or, and a lot of money you gotta everybody's <laughs> Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gear. I re-up my wireless microphone, which even that is kind of a luxury. Like once every two years, I'll get kind of a new one. But uh, aside from that, it's just, I mean, and I don't all, I also don't know how to actually sing like a professional vocalist or whatever. It's just when that's the the beautiful thing about death metal is it's you, it's, it's something that you make your own, you cut your own path. Like nobody's going to judge you and be like, oh, that octave when you went, wasn't correct. So <laughs> he was a bit flat. Yeah, he was a bit flat <laughs> in his squeal. <laughs> his C seventh minor was a bit flat. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, uh, it, my family, older brothers were, were into the same kind of stuff. So I guess if that's the, the, the way to pinpoint it. I think uh, that would be where I stole their LPs back in the day in like the 80s from them. And that's where, you know. What, what drew you to it? The music, the artwork? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Yeah, it was just, uh, it just was such an, it's like horror movies. It was just like a, a crazy, intense kind of thing that not everybody else was stoked on. So whatever made everybody else uncomfortable, I was uh, super into. I think the first LP I stole from my brother Joe was uh, Gwar Hello. And that was the first. Like, everybody has like the, yeah, the first thing I heard was like Pantera or Iron Maiden in like 78. But no, no. The first Gwar album was what got me into doing metal in the beginning with, even though it was like punk rock back then. Uh, Who would have been like your early vocal mentors? Uh, not not like inspirations, like sure. people around you that mentors. taught you how there's to no, scream. There's no mentors. Nobody, do, do people teach you how to scream? Nobody ever taught me. I, I have a few in my, really? that, that have helped me out over the years. Yeah, I mean, But I'm I, a type of guy that likes to talk to other singers, hence why I have a podcast I've now. been yeah. like fervently against the idea of like people teaching other people how to do death metal vocals. It's like, just conversations. Yeah. Not but, actual lessons. But like when people promote it, like on mm-hmm. Facebook or whatever, you see people being like... Like for example, I tried to do. It. I know exactly what you're saying. I I gave extreme vocal lessons, and I I for a short while. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't want to. I was never, never, never good at having a follow up lesson because I would do one, and I'd be like, 
That's what you do. Just do that. Yeah. Right? That's a whole point. And that's why you it, it find your continues. own yeah. dirty, grimy voice and you go with that. You can, nobody can tell you how to do it. Like, And that's the basic essence of like this kind of music to begin with. It's like an affront to things that can be conventionally taught in a school mm-hmm. or whatever. So... I don't, I don't know how I learned. I don't know what. I, my first band in high school was a band called Rebellious Sphincter. And we did the, <laughs> high, school, we did the high school battle of the bands. And it was mostly anal cunt covers, to be honest. Because nobody knew how to play instruments. And it was just a, it was a complete nightmare. But we did play the battle of the bands. And uh, we lost. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're going to be drinking Los Tabernacos, which is a milkshake IPA from Brasserie du Bas-Canada. It's... Uh, a really delicious beer, so I'm excited to share it with you. I'm excited to drink it. It sounds thick. Some very professional pouring we just witnessed right here. Milkshake IPA. I don't think I've ever had a milkshake IPA. So they add lactose to it, and Cheers. everybody listening at home, I'm a vegan, but I'm not a vegan when it comes to beer, because you can't have a beer podcast. That is true. You got to... And omit some beers. It doesn't work. Cheers. Cheers. It smells uh, nice and creamy. Oh. It's smooth. It's delicious. Very, very, very creamy. Super drinkable. It's like pineapple, mango, a little apricotty. Yeah, it's super smooth. Like the thickness of it takes away any mm-hmm. bite, but oh, you know it's, it's there. Yeah. Clocks in at six point five percent, I believe, and uh, it's wonderful. Uh, they're they're actually the probably the closest Vermont style brewery mm. up here in Quebec, on the border of Ontario in Gatineau, Quebec. And they're really delivering the goods right now. Everyone's nice. racing, trying to meet them right now. I've always had the, you know, you always have the problem as a as a touring musician where people, you know, uh, assume that just because you're playing in front of a hundred people a night, they're like, oh, you get to see all the greatest stuff in all the world. You get to get, drink all the best beers, have the best food. And they're like, eh, I get the shittiest stuff in every venue, That the cheapest, shittiest stuff that they can possibly give me. Have you ever had... Beer brand beer in the Netherlands that red can the can with the I, red I logo. Have, I have had that before. Yes, you're not. You haven't drinking drank the shittiest beer you possibly could drink until you have beer brand beer. I per- I personally <laughs> hunt. I know where the good beer is. And right, I ask right, fans right. to bring them, but that takes work. Right. Yeah. It's smart. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? And I mean, I exclusively drink craft beer, but I wouldn't be able to tell you the ins and outs and nuances of it. I wouldn't be able to argue about it with you. I, I do know we've toured together before, and I've never seen you with a shitty beer in your hand, hmm. which makes me think that you do like craft beer. I do. What, what brings you towards the craft beer versus the natural lights? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't like drinking water, I guess. Like <laughs> fish fucking it, I'm told. <laughs> I never touch the stuff. So I try Fish fucking it? In water. Oh, yes. Got all the time. <laughs> Keep that shit away from me. <laughs> <laughs> So the and and a lot of the conventional beers are just my point being the conventional beers taste like water so I'm not I'm just not a fan and uh, but what, what is your like go to beer uh I mean if you want to do it the other way around and try another one of the local New York beers that I have brought with me if you want to break out out of that cooler one or the other I mean you had so. Upstate New York is where I'm generally from, and we have a beer called Saranac is the local brewery that we dig. And this is, when I'm home, is one of my favorites. Give me, what was the one you were drinking? He already had one of them. Give me the, the light green one. This is the Session IPA. Beautiful, nice the Session Saranac IPA brewery. from the Saranac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and I've smuggled several cases of it over the border because, <laughs> you know, they had a sale on 15 packs, and they're cheap, and... 
drinking up here is kind of expensive and complicated, so let's try this out. And when I'm home, this is pretty much exclusively what I drink. I'm a fan. It smells more bitter. It smells more bitter. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but it's bitterer. No, no, it's just because bitter is like a, a like a it's something you do in your mouth, not mm. your nose, you know. Or a verb if you make it into two words or action, whatever. Fighter. It's good. It's smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smooth. I like it. Yeah. It's not. It's a bit more West Coasty than the last summer Narcos, obviously. Right, right, right. So how many times has that happened? How many times has somebody brought not a, once. a fancy you beer to your to you? You are the there first. You, you are the first. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Let's talk about your on-stage personality. How did that develop? I ah, jeez, I don't know. I think um, I think the only go-to answer for that is usually that uh, whenever I feel bored on stage, I just imagine everybody else is bored watching. So. You know, I watch bands that just go through the motions and just do the, you know, do the exact same thing every single night. The um, in every band I've professionally toured in, the opportunity to fuck up has been like our my personal driving factor of like in origin. We all accept that, and we all. It's a very complicated band. Origin. Sure, yeah. and the opportunity to fuck up is uh, everywhere. It's every all the time. every note. Yeah, and uh, and I think that makes us have more fun and it's tighter you know when you're on a click and you're you know everything is in the computer like it just takes some of the the passion out of it for us i think and i and that even going back to the beginning even like the skinless years and stuff like that um is what definitely just the every day should be somewhat different every day should be you know somewhat dangerous in what you're doing and the fact of just don't plan don't have your script right out uh, written out even though you tend to you fall into patterns well, with that being does. said i want to ask you like do you have like pre-planned speeches or do you just do what you want i kind of just i'd like to do what i want i would like to say i do what how, i want how, does, how do the bands feel about that though <sighs> I haven't had any complaints yet, really. I mean, even I complain about myself. It's like, ah, I fucking yap too goddamn much. And it, uh, I've done tours where uh, we did this tour that was a devastation on the nation, which was like a, a proto summer slaughter. Or like it was like competing against summer with slaughter. With Chrisian. The one with Chrisian and Aeon. And it was a great tour, but we were headlining. And I was also doing merch because I just get bored and do merch. And uh, so I would be drinking for like 12 hours before we even got on stage because I'd just be sitting behind the merch table board, nine bands to go. And you can tell how fucked up I was by like the number of minutes between songs where I'm just like, <laughs> let me tell you something. So we're going to do this. You're going to go over there. It's going to be great. And I've watched videos. I cringe at videos from it now. And this is only a couple of years ago. I'm just like, Jesus, I was just a fucking mess that just yapped for like six minutes in between just two random songs to the point where John would start hitting the John, the drummer of we'll Origin, just count would it in, count it in. But then it would turn around and be like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm not done yet. Like, yeah, yeah. So then they would complain. <laughs> but I think I've gotten a little better. With Has that. it ever gotten to a point where you've yapped so much you had to cut songs? I don't think so. I'd like to say no. Like if you're opening for someone, let's say. Oof. I mean, sometimes the yapping is important. Sometimes we need to. You know, the yapping is important, and it builds an atmosphere. I've done maybe three shows in my entire life without drinking a drop of alcohol beforehand. And I'm not saying I get hammered before shows ever, really. I mean, I'm trying not to. But, uh, you know, you have to have some. 
And uh, the, it loosens me up too. Sure, like, if loosen, I have a few that, beers. That's yeah. when like other vocalists are like, "Oh, what are your warm ups?" You hear dudes doing like the uh, 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 between shows or before shows, and it's kind of goofy. You don't warm up whatsoever. You just step not up that. on stage. No, 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 absolutely not. Never. You do some screams. No, nothing. I don't. I feel like that hurts more than it helps personally. Really? Yeah, if you ask me, because most of the times you're doing it dry, and then you're gonna like blow something out or raw, make yourself too raw, but. And it's a lot of um, muscle memory, too. It's like your body uh, kind of responds to the action more than just making the noise. You know what I mean? So I, my, I'm not going to, like, move the way I'm going to move on stage when I'm outside behind the venue, like, warming up or whatever. So I just go full bore once it starts. How do you approach that in studio, then? It's the same. Well, the one trick that everybody goofs on me for is that um, I... When I'm recording, even though there's like the the screen and everything like that, I cup my mic, my hand to my face as if I'm holding the mic, just to have that like feeling of like I'm on stage. I have know? a gift for you right now. A word? You are allowed to hold the mic in your hand in studio. You should do that. I don't want. I don't like that either. Though. No, you've I done should, it. Yep. I, we did that for the uh, the cover track we did on Omnipresent for Origin, the okay. Kill Yourself. I love doing that. Yeah. I, it was a game changer for me. I don't like it. I don't. Uh, I don't know. You just move around the way you want to move around? I mean, recording is awful. Pro- it's like a painful, awful it's, yeah, process. you're rather but... live than the studio? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. What is the worst part? Uh, the repetition, I think. And, I mean, and just the self-judgment and the mm-hmm. uh, perfection, you know, the low-level OCD perfectionist stuff that kicks in. You it's know. a fine-tooth comb. Yeah. And everything. You're like, oh, I hear myself, you know, breathing a little bit in that. Take it out. And everybody's just like, it's fucking fine. Go. Move on. Yeah. Because no, I'm, I don't tell any other musician in any band I've recorded with what to do ever. So I understand that nobody else is going to be like, oh, your vocals sound like shit there. Do another thing. Like, so it's all on me. And then you have that. What is it? Uh, I heard just somebody talking about it earlier today that um, that personality trait where the self-judgment, everything you do is wrong and it's terrible. So I, I mean, I should. That, like that, that is what studio is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm lucky I have my guitarist who records me. Yeah, that's very and and he knows exactly what I can do and where I can go, mm-hmm. and what I should be doing. There's nothing worse than the cold stare of a indifferent uh, producer. Producer, oh, fuck, dude. yeah. Dude, I'm just dude. being like, yeah, whatever. That's I what hate you when they do. say, sure. "What do you think?" Ugh, dude, dude exactly. if, I, if I didn't like it, I would have said, "Hey, we're gonna do it again." Yeah, I want to know if it's okay or not. Yeah, one of the uh, the worst recording experiences I ever had was. Um, I was in a band called Mucopus, which was just like... Mucopus. yeah. yeah. <laughs> upstate, up with... <laughs> upstate New York. It's actually... Uh, Desecrated yeah, Sphincter? Oh, Rebellious Sphincter. Rebellious Sphincter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't name Mucopus. But um, we had this weird deal where we did this like two-month European tour of Super DIY in like 2008. And attached to it was a week and a half in a studio in Czech Republic because our label was Czech. And it ended up, we recorded an entire album with a producer that spoke no English. Oh. So it was all just pointing and, and going eye, up, up, and down, down. Like, like, no. Just how do you explain complex, like, musical nuances to somebody that, like, doesn't speak English, A, and doesn't do death metal. It's just like a, or any metal at all. He was just completely just out of this element. And it, it fucking suffered for it, so. What is the craziest thing you've ever asked the crowd to do that you regret now? The thing that that went the the most wrong. Oh, jeez. I once did a... So we used to do Silent Walls of Death, which was just like a goof where 
we would have people just do a wall of death completely before the song started just to make them do it. And it would always escalate into other wacky shit. So we once did a, um, God, the, the one thing that I was looking at, well, actually, there's a couple now that I think about it. I was in Edmonton. Edmonton always goes hard for They're crazy. Reason. Well, it's because they're starved. Yeah. Like and the rest of Canada. Yeah. Because they're in that because weird, Because they're like, from Alberta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically, you know, the oil states yeah. of, of, of Canada. So they have money. So, yeah. And uh, so one time there, and I think I've done it two or three times there, but the time in particular <laughs> I remember is uh, it's that, it's that milkshake IPA, man. Got it's delicious. Uh, we did a silent chicken fight wall of death where we had people get on each other's shoulders. And, like, I usually say that stuff is, like, half a goof and don't expect... If nobody does it, great. But this time, everybody got involved. It was a couple of years ago with Origin, and there were a lot of people. And as they were doing it, that's probably the most dangerous thing I think I've pulled off. Where... Because that's, you know, just for context, it's somebody has put somebody else on their shoulders and then everybody does a wall of death and the people on top are beating each other up just as much as the people on the bottom. (laughs) Anybody could just fall and break their neck and horribly. And it went awesome. It was like one of the sickest things I've ever seen. But another one that I just remember, I was in Oakland, California, and I've had the, I've always accidentally referred to Oakland as San Francisco just because I'm on stage. It's across, like, it's across the river there. It's like, thank you, San Francisco. And my guitar player, who or Paul Ryan from Origin, lives in San Francisco. And he always gets like, don't do that. They get really mad when you do that or whatever. But nobody cares, really. But people notice. So the last time I was there, I made this whole spiel about like, I know I've been informed that the last several times I've been here, I've just absentmindedly referred to you as San Francisco. So why don't we do this? Why don't we have a uh, San Francisco versus uh, Oakland, Oakland wall of death? Holy shit. And yo, that was the close that I even said it on stage at one point where I was like, I, I feel like I might be tried for involuntary manslaughter after this show <laughs> because it was the most in- like people took that shit seriously. And I used to goof, and I used to do, like, the black metal versus death metal wall of death when we were on tour with Marduk or Ooh, 1349. See, that's smart, though. The death metal always won. The black metal got trapped. They don't, they don't like to mosh. No, they do not. But it was <laughs> made it even more funny. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you fucked around with the 1349's signature beer? They're, like, chocolate stout. I have not, and I, I want to, though. I've seen it pass around. I was on tour with them when they released what it. What is it like? 13.49%. Is it, is, it, is it from Three Floyds? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think that's what it was. And it was, so they debuted it at Duff's in Brooklyn one day when we were on that tour, and it was like a homework assignment finishing one. It was impossible to finish. Because you get so too drunk? He- or because No, it was just so heavy. It just couldn't do it. It was just three quarters of the way in. It was just, ugh, ugh. It just couldn't do it. I mean, it was delicious, but it was just a fucking event. It's good. I recommend it. But I say that in like a, a way. No, no, I'll check absolutely. it out. I, I, lo- I love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Well, if you could flash back in the past, mm. time travel, relive one tour that you've done, what tour would that be? Oh, shit. Uh, I always goof with people about stuff like this, like new bands going out on tour for the first time and stuff. Like a buddy of mine just went out uh, in Europe for the very first time and uh, he was doing it all DIY style and I... Asking me about it, and I was like, yo, the, the the first one you do in a van and like a crappy sprinter is always going to be the ones you have the best memories of. Well, it's your family. It's, it's like you're out there with your brothers. Yeah, and, and it's the struggle, and it's like, you know, you're going to remember sleeping on the floor in a, of a hostel in Ireland that wouldn't let you in because you showed up at four in the morning, and it was too Jesus. late to actually... 
you know, and then you miss your ferry to go to the mainland and get to play the show in London or whatever. Like those are the shows you're gonna remember rather than I was on a bus. I just went to bed. Which, Passed out. Yeah, was, was, you sleep your way through like nice tours. The tours that you suffer in are the ones that are fantastic. So probably, I did the 2007 when I was singing for a band called Skinless. I did a a tour that was Dying Fetus, Skinless, Cattle Decapitation, and it was like my first that's, bus that's tour in Europe. Huge that was awesome lineup. Yeah. And uh, it was my first bus tour, and I was you know you get a little ego about it, luxury, and just what I was talking about before that band Mucopus. That European two, three month run started the day the skinless tour ended. So I went from this nice bus professional tour playing to like five, six hundred people a night easy to basically touring in a minivan and in all Eastern Europe, all super fucking weird. Like Czech Republic, uh, Czech Republic, like uh, Obscene Extreme was like the highlight of that tour that year. And and those are the that's the one where I have like the craziest stories from. That's the one where outside of a bar or uh, we stayed at a bar outside of Bratislava that had a lion living backstage, uh, in like the a back. real lion, a, a, a full grown adult male lion. <laughs> so we showed like we played this club and we didn't have anywhere to stay, but we just bullshit with people. And somebody was like, "Oh, come to my bar. It's called the Leo Bar. A lion lives there." And we You're thought like, they yeah, were just sure, fucking with us. Yeah. And we showed up, and there, after a couple more beers, he took us out in the back, pulled open a barn door, and there was a right there between, like as far as you to me, basically was like a, in a cage. No, there was nothing between us. No way. Yeah, and then he it was asleep, but then the dude like woke it up, and it Feed got it. mad, and fucking Jesus Christ, it was the scariest thing I'd ever experienced in my life. It was so insane. Bratislava. There in Bratislava, there is no law, I guess, but. We woke up in the morning and apparently he like breeds. I don't. I didn't get the full story, but we were feeding it cheeseburgers and stuff, and it was much nicer in the morning. <laughs> I felt bad for it, but what are you going to die? What am I going to liberate it and take it home with me? I wish bring, I bring it in your luggage. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. I didn't you, have you the proper are a, You are a tour monster. You tour all the time. I always pack too much. Ah. How much clothes do you pack when you go on tour? <sighs> I mean, that's something that we all work on. All professional touring musicians struggle with this. Um, I suffer from a, a horrible sweatiness on stage <laughs> to where, like, it just reaches, like, my belly button. Like, the, you can see the line come all the way down. My, after, like, two songs, I'm drenched in sweat. And uh, so I used to uh, bring just an exorbitant amount of T-shirts. Like, I'd bring, like, 20 shirts for, like, a 30-day tour, which packs everything up. Everything else, I would sacrifice other shit for that so I could just ball it up, throw in a stinky bag, and then go on. But... I'm working on it now to where I'm just sleeping in my sweaty shirt and then hoping it dries on me by body heat. So this late in the game, you just don't hang it up. And I'm I'm reverting. I'm just you reverting just hang it up to and childhood. Wear it the next day. No, no, it'll dry <laughs> on me with my natural body heat, and it's been working out okay. Like I, mean, I just did that. So you wore the, this uh, yesterday? I did wear this yesterday on stage. You wouldn't know. I didn't smell yeah, anything. There you go. Yeah. I'm not a you know. You're onto something. Not a naturally smelly dude, so it kind of works. And uh, <laughs> what, what, what is a band that you think people are sleeping on right now? Sleeping on? I don't know. People are pretty up on everything. The bands, I mean, I'm sure you must get a lot of the answers from like old dudes that are just like, ah, I listen to the same fucking 10 albums I listened to 10 years ago. Sometimes. Kind of on that case. I mean, 
the only bands I know lately are bands that I like actually that I go on tour with and Same here. those are the only ones that I hear anymore but like you know I'm a big proponent like I push like Archspire dudes all day long I feel like they're one of the you know doing new shit it's without, interesting what they're doing yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they're yeah. not reinventing the wheel but it's it's like a new form of the wheel yeah and I like what they do vocally and stuff like, very impressive uh but I don't think people are. That's the other thing. I don't think people are sleeping on them. I think people know exactly what the what they're getting, and it's awesome. But I don't know. That's a rough question because I don't want to just, you know, give my boys people I like a push. Archspire. There, I'll go with that. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you. Drinking two beers. The um, Sarnac. I think I have three different ones in front of me right IPA. now. <laughs> and the Los Tabernacos. Los Tabernacos. Milkshake IPA. From Brasilia, Canada. I really appreciate it. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Thank you. Stoked to watch you with Psychroptic tonight. I am. Oh, wait. We're not talking about that. Nobody's supposed to know. No. No. Don't turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Jason, such a funny dude. Uh, he is uh, always that guy, that, that fill-in vocalist for all of your death metal needs. Uh, if you're a death metal band out there and uh, your vocalist can't make it for some reason, I strongly suggest you hit up Jason. He has a secret power when it comes to filling in for other extreme vocalists, and he does an excellent job at it. So a huge shout-out to Jason. It was great catching up with you, sharing some craft beer, and uh, you get the award for the very first person on Vox and Hops to bring me a beer. So cheers to you, Jason. Stoked to see you again. Just a quick reminder to get your tickets for the Vox and Hops one-year anniversary party. The Vox and Hops alumni, you Vox and Hops heads, Lord Worm and myself will be at Turbo House on October 26th here in Montreal, and we'll be conducting the very first live interview. You got the 9-ounce Vox and Hops branded glassware and the New England IPA Highway to Hops that I brewed in collaboration with Microbrasserie Le Fermentor from L'Assomption Québec. Tickets are available in the description. I'm so stoked to be with all of the Vox and Hops alumni and you Vox and Hops heads. Lord Worm, so excited. I can't wait. It's next week. I can't wait to share this experience with all of you. I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. I remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsheads. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. <laughs>